talk tonight. I wanted to talk a little bit about dreams, and I wanted to talk about kind of the journey. And uh, I wanted to give you a couple of things to take home with you, uh, to tuck away in your heart. But but I wanted to share our story, this this the story of Overflow, how we we got here. Um, but really, our dream is very similar to a dream that a guy named Jacob had in scripture. And I want to read that tonight because this is really our vision as our church. This is our hope, what we would be in our community and here in Grand Prairie, expanding throughout uh, the Metroplex. And we believe that our dream is very similar to this dream that Jacob had in Genesis chapter 28. It says, Jacob came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. So he took one of the stones of that place and put it at his head. He used it as a pillow and he laid down to that place to sleep. Then he dreamed. Don't you love that? Then he dreamed. And behold, a ladder was set on the earth, and its top reaching to heaven. And then there were angels of God that were ascending and descending on this ladder going to heaven. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, the God of Isaac, and the land on which you lie, I will give you and your descendants. Also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and the east and to the north and to the south. And you will, and, and in your seeds, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Oh, come on, somebody. Behold, I am with you and will, we, and will keep you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land and I will not leave you until I've done what I've spoken to you. Then Jacob woke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place. I did not know it, but he was here and he was afraid. And he said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. This word that we read gate right here is, is an old Hebrew word that says shahar. And what that is, is, is that is an opening. It's not an opening that was always there. It was actually an opening, an opening that had to be split open. Are you with me? So it was like, it was closed and then it was open. So today what we refer to those is we refer to those, those geographical locations as open heavens. That's what we call that when that happens. And so basically what it is, is it's an access point for, for heaven to come on the earth and for, and for the earth to communicate with heaven. Are you with me? And it's kind of like a doorway, you know, and, and, and Jacob saw it like a ladder. You know, many, many people thought that it was more probably like a stairway or, or, but really what it was is it was an access point. I'm good, baby. Thank you. My son... I got into this thing uh, three or four months ago called Skylanders. Have you guys heard of Skylanders? And so I, 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 they're cool. You know, they're these little creatures. They're, there's all different ones, and they have, you know, they're like in different groups. Like they have a fire group and a, you know, earth group and a, and a life group. Not a life group, like a church life group, but a life group. And so they have these different, like, you know, groups of Skylanders. And w- what Skylanders are is the first time I ever, Judah started talking about them. We we're like, what, what are you talking about? What's the Skylanders? This is like the new thing. And he says, yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, they're, they're, these, they're these toys. And so I was like, okay, let's go to the store and let's look for, for some Skylanders. You know, he was real fired up about it, and his friends at school were having it. And we wanted to make sure that he was, you know, one of the cool kids. So we wanted to make sure and go get him some Skylanders. This was like in May. And so we, him and I go to Walmart and we're walking around. We can't find anything Skylanders. I'm like, what, what's going on? Where, where are the Skylanders at? You know, I wasn't going to ask anybody because it's Walmart. You know how that is. And so it's going to take forever to find somebody. And then they probably can't tell you anything. So we're just, we walked around, walked around, walked around. Only thing we found was this little plush Skylander 
toy of a Rupter, who is one of the Skylanders. He's he's one of the fire guys. And uh, so he, he's like, no, 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 no. He's like, that's not what I want. I was like, okay, buddy. I was like, we'll keep looking and we'll find him. He's like, okay. So he was content with it. I think we bought him like some Skylander cards or something. Well, one day I'm at Target and I'm walking in the electronics section. Oh, come on, somebody. And I, so I'm walking by the electronics and I see this whole aisle devoted to Skylanders. Probably not a whole aisle, but like half an aisle devoted to Skylanders. I'm like, oh, what are they doing over here? No wonder I could find them. They were in the electronics section. Well, I started, fi- I started looking. I'm like, okay, these things are expensive. They're like 10 bucks a piece, which is, you know, pretty pricey for an action figure that you can't even bend his arms and legs. And so I thought, you know, okay, I don't understand what the deal is. And then they had this thing sitting there called a portal. And so what Skylanders is, it's this, this game, this money pit, that you buy a portal and a video game, and you buy the toys. And when you buy the toy, you can put it on this portal, and he shows up in the game. And I'm like, that's pretty legit. I wish they would have had that when I was a kid, like with G.I. Joes and stuff. And so, you know, now Disney has kind of a ripoff, but Skylanders, they were the first ones. And so, you know, we're, we're all about the Skylanders at our house, and plus we're not going to enter into another investment. So, so Judah, you know, at his birthday, Skylanders, all this kind of stuff. But really the whole thing about Skylanders is not that you can have the toy and not that you can have the video game, but really the most important part of Skylanders is this portal. Because see, you've got to have the portal to get the guy in the game. If you don't have the portal, you can't get in the game. Are you with me? And the game can't get in you. There, there's no interaction. And that got me thinking. I was like, man, that's just like what Jacob saw. He saw a portal. He thought, hey, heaven has to come to earth. What do they do? They got to go through a portal just like a Skylander. Come on, are you with me? How many know that we need a portal to go to heaven? Jesus is the portal. He's the gate. Jesus actually said that in John chapter 10. He said, I am the gate. And so Jesus is this gateway. Jesus is this portal. I know that's kind of a weird sounding word for it, but it's a portal. But listen, also, there's another portal in order for Jesus to get on the game on the earth. And that's the church. Come on, are you with me? So God has a portal that he comes and he communicates with people on the earth, and it's the kingdom. It's the the church. It's the kingdom of God. And so what God, what we felt like a long time ago is that we wanted to be one of these portals. We wanted to be a place where God could move in and through and affect the culture around us so God could get in the game of our neighborhood, so God could get in the game of our family, so God could get in the game of our workplace. There had to be a portal. So so I'm going to read our story tonight. I'm excited. I wanted to read it because I don't want to leave anything. I wanted to get all preachy because you guys know I have the tendency to do that. So I'm going to read to you for a minute. Are you okay? I learned how to read one time. So I'm going to try to do that tonight. I'm kind of concerned about being, about uh, Pastor Adam being here. I'm literally nervous. I'm like, man, I got to like up my game, Pastor Adam here. Like, oh my gosh, Adam, Pastor Adam is one of my favorite preachers on the planet. Come on, come on, baby. And so, um, So I'm going to read this to you. You good? This is our story. Five to six years ago, God began to stir a dream in our heart. A dream to see a church that would facilitate an atmosphere to encounter Jesus. A church that would see people equipped and empowered as able-bodied ministers of the kingdom. We would raise up shakers and ambassadors for King Jesus and his kingdom. To see people that were so full of the Holy Spirit that they would release his presence in their homes and workplaces. That their lives would be so enriched because of his spirit was flowing in and out of them. Together, we would be wells of living water, and we would see cultural transformation. 
A little over two years ago, we were on staff at Amarillo Fellowship Church in Amarillo. We had just built a home there. And about the same time, Pastor Chris Estrada had me to come out and share at the youth major at Christ for the Nations. I was incredibly honored and excited to be with the Estradas to see all that was happening and to see all that was happening at Christ for the Nations. On the morning that I was teaching, I walked outside of the apartment that we stayed in, and Jesus began to place a desire in me for the Metroplex. I found it a little odd, so I shook it off, and I shelved the feelings. About a month later, we were at a conference in Plano, and again, the desire for the Metroplex was placed in my heart. We were really enjoying a comfortable life in Amarillo, so I shook these desires. Weeks later, in December of 2011, we came to Dallas to celebrate TJ and Cassie Small's wedding. Once again, I received this incredible desire to move to the Metroplex, and this time, it could not be shaken. Within about six weeks, in January of 2012, I finally had the courage to tell Leslie that I felt like God was calling us to pastor in the Metroplex. We let our friends in the DF area, DFW area know what was going on. And we were hoping to find a comfortable pastor position that we could walk into. After months of looking, it was obvious that God wanted us to move out in faith. So we set a date by August that if a position didn't open up, we would move out in raw obedience. We would start, living, we would start in our home, Book of Acts style, share a meal together, worship God together, and have church in our home. And burdened by the weight of being able to provide for my family, God, I believe, but you got to help my unbelief. In this courage-lacking small request, we found God-sized responses. We were blown away by the events that happened in such a short time. In May, we shared our heart with our Amarillo Fellowship leaders. We began to make plans to move to the Metroplex and plant a church. Within days of that, I received a call from Chris Estrada offering me a job to teach at Christ for the Nations. In less than 24 hours of placing our house on the market, it sold. We had been in the house for less than a year, and we didn't lose a dime. On a house hunting trip to the Metroplex, we, found two, we, we received two confirming words from pastors in the area that we had never met before. They used the same verbiage about church planning, Book of Acts style, share a meal together, worship together, and have church in the home. So we headed back to Amarillo to pack up our things for the move. A staff member from our church there shared a prophetic dream she had, had about us. It was about having church in our home, Book of Acts style, sharing a meal together, worshiping together. Jesus was helping my unbelief. Right after we moved to town, I had the incredible opportunity of connecting with Pastor Adam, and we became a part of Global Ministers Network. We also reconnected with our old friends, Pastor Chad and Amber Benson, and developed an incredible relationship with LifeGate Church in Burleson. It wasn't always easy, and at times it was a struggle, as we were technically homeless for two months. But after looking at approximately 50 homes and making around 10 offers, we found a house within blocks of where we're meeting tonight. Then a year ago, October 27th, we had our very first overflow gathering in our home. It was the Browns, the Dominguez's, and Nathan and Brooke. Ten of us, Book of Acts style, sharing a meal together, worshiping together, having church in our home. It feels like yesterday, doesn't it? If you guys were there tonight, would you stand up with us? Y'all that were there the first night, just ten of us uh, were there gathering. And uh, I'm just so, so honored that you guys 
were part of that story. Thank you, all young. Y'all can sit down. There were actually 11 because Elisa was in the belly, so. <laughs> we, we, we would say, hey, if a dog barked down the street, they were in. That counted. We wouldn't count anything. You know, someone coming to a uh, wrong house. Uh, thank, thank you for the, that was a visitor, right? So uh, <laughs> we, were, we were taking everything that we could get. Come on. Well, listen, for sermon's sake tonight, I had three things I want to highlight about our story that I, that I believe that I learned. Maybe some things that I learned, but the Lord, that I knew before, but the Lord wanted to highlight in my life. And first of all, is this. The dream is a journey. It's not a destination. The dream is a journey. If the, if the dream's a destination, then what happens when your dream comes true? It's all over. So dreams beget dreams. God is calling us to, be, to have a lifestyle of dreaming. See, God doesn't desire for you to have a big dream and just for you to have something on paper somewhere. That's great. I think that you need to do that. In fact, you better do that. But I believe God doesn't want just people to dream. I believe God wants dreamers. People that will say, yes, God, I'll dream. In fact, I'll dream like Jacob dreamed. God, I'll dream for your dream on the earth. So God is really looking for dreamers. You know, God's, God's purpose has no end. So when we have a dream that says, by this time, this is going to go on, or I have a dream that this will happen, that has an end. But this dream is a journey. The dream that we're in on is a journey. The dream really is Jesus. Jesus is the dream. It's just to be closer to Jesus. That's, that's our dream. Our dream is that we would be close to Jesus and that the people around us would get closer to Jesus. Jesus is the dream. Well, I already got Jesus, but don't you want more? I want more. Man, I've been after Jesus for 20 years, and I want some more. Come on. I'm not, I'm not good where I'm at. You know, one of the things that God's been teaching me is he loves this thing called process. You know? God loves process. And it's not because he's, you know, some people have this idea that God's always just trying to teach them something. God is always trying to teach you something, but it's not what you think. God is always trying to teach you something. He's trying to teach you how good he is. He's always trying to teach you about his nature. He's always trying to teach you how good of a provider he is. He's trying to share his heart with you. So God is all about the process. He's about revealing things to us. But if we're not on a journey, we only have what we have. We're, we, that's all we have. With the, answer, the dream has been answered. Here I am. It's done. It's over. But because the dream is Jesus, there's always forward motion. We're always going after this man. Listen, the wooing of the Spirit doesn't stop just because you shake it off. And this is what was happening to me three times. God had to come and put this desire in my heart. And there wasn't a, it wasn't a word that was like, God, Josh, go to the Metroplex. This is your father speaking. No, no, no. It wasn't anything like that. It was this desire. Isn't it good how God is just so tender with us that he's not like just like stressing us out with these heavy, heavy burdens going, you got to go, you got to go, you got to go or I'm going to be mad at you. That is not the father heart of God at all. God puts desire in us, then he answers. He responds with putting more desire. The wooing, the wooing of the spirit doesn't stop because you shake it off. You know that God isn't just working on you and through you, not just just working through you, he's working on you. Come on, are you with me? And it's not because, again, it's not that mean spirit that so many times that we've been taught. He's actually working on you. He's actually making you a better lover. 
He's making you a better lover. And, uh, you know, the, the Holy Spirit, and this is kind of, I learned this, you know, sometimes like when God just keeps bugging us about something, it's kind of like, we, he's kind of, we kind of put him in like in the holy pest thing, you know, <laughs> like he's the holy pest. Like he keeps bothering me about this, but listen, he's, he's, he's not the holy pest. He's the Holy Spirit. He comes alongside of you and inside of you to remind you of everything that Jesus is saying. And this is what it said about the gift of the Holy Spirit. He said that he, he will come into you and he will remind you of everything that you're learning from me. That word, and we've talked about this a lot at Overflow, that word in the Greek is actually, he will put a residue in you. That there will be a remembrance in your life of everything that Jesus is saying. So when God's coming to you and he's reminding you of the dream that he's put in your heart, He's not doing that because he's frustrated or because he's pestering you. He's doing it because he knows that you will fly in that function. You know, we were so stressed out. We were, man, I I don't know how how stressed out Leslie was, but man, I was stressed out. I was like, I'm not going to have a job that I go to every day that's going to pay all my bills. I mean, I, I mean, I was living... A pretty comfortable life, you know, being a youth pastor and having some, but now that I'm going to be the pastor at a church plant, I'm not going to even get paid. And there's been a bunch of months we didn't, and that's okay. But did you know that God has provided for us? I don't have a full-time job. I've got like three part-time jobs, something like that. I don't have a full-time job, and not, not one time. Not one time has a bank account gone empty. In fact, we, we're doing better financially right now than we've ever done in our life, and it totally doesn't make sense. But God was just equipping us. He's saying, you'll do better here. You'll do better here. Just respond to the dream I'm putting in your heart. Just respond. I got this. I'm your daddy. You know, Matthew, we, we started focusing on this scripture several months ago in Matthew chapter 13, verse 33. I'd never saw it before until uh, the night that I, I shared it for the first time. And it says, the kingdom of heaven is like yeast a woman used in making bread. Even though she put just a little yeast in in three measures of flour, it permeated every part of the dough. And so God is working in this process because he's making us more like Jesus. He's making us good, equipped lovers. So he is working on you. It's, it's not, yeah, it's, it's painful sometimes, but there's so much joy in it. There's so much pleasure in it when, when you function from a love-filled heart that, it, that it's never a, 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 a weighty, ugly burden. It's always something that you're just like, it's, it's good. It's good at stretching. It's difficult at times, but it's good. I'm exactly where God wants me. So the dream is not a, is, is a journey. It's, it's not a destination. So don't just think that, you know, you, you're going to get to that place. <laughs> you're going to get to that place. It's going to be, no, 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 no. Because dreamers dream. And so once that's fulfilled, the next dream's coming. Probably before that's fulfilled, the next dream's coming. So God's not looking for, a, for someone to, to just bear the dream. He's looking for dreamers. So will you be a dreamer? With God, say, man, God, I'll dream with you. I'll dream with you. The second thing that we really learned from this process, and God has really been teaching this, uh, us this really heavy for about four years, four to five years, is that people are part of the process. Listen, don't ever underestimate people of God. Don't underestimate people of God. Man, I know. I know there's the rotten ones out there. Come on. I know that there's people out there that kind of screw it up for the rest of us. I know that. I know that it, that it, that it sometimes the church gets a, gets a bad name. But I can tell you right now, we were, I was talking to my dad about this yesterday. What are you going to do when somebody else, somebody in your family dies? Who are you going to call? Well, the government. You're not going to find any help there. 
The, the most help you're going to find is the local church. The most help that you're going to find when you're desperate, when you're in need, is the local church. The local church does a better job of meeting the needs of humanity than any organized, uh, government-funded organization in the world. The church does the best job at that. In fact, you know, that, that's, that, that's why that Jesus commanded us because he knew that that was our function to be in and that, that we would fly at it. We would do really good at that. So I, we've learned that people are part of the process. So pay attention to people in your journey, the right people. Come on, don't surround yourself with negative people. Stay away from negative people. There are going to be people that are dream squashers. You want to get away from those people. You're going to love them, but you stay away from them. If, they're saying, if, if someone says you can't do that or what if and what if and what if and what if and they're squashing your dream, just find somebody else. Find somebody that thinks like Jesus who gave you the dream. You know, God has this incredible network of people. You know what I mean? Incredible network. I find people all the time that know people, that know people that I know, that I know that we know people that we never met, and we know all the same people. It's just the craziest thing in the world. But the cool thing about Jesus is he knows how to go in and connect the dots. And what he does is he works his purpose in and through people because he loves process. And, and when God's working on you, he's also working on someone else. So he's got this beautiful web of people that, that he's worked together to make everything so beautiful and so perfect. Just like those pastors we met that we never met before. We never talked to them, had conversations again. But we needed to hear that. We needed that confirmation from guys that we never met, that we never talked to since. Book of Acts style, in your home. We needed to hear that. And God provided them at just the right time. Problem oftentimes is that we get jaded by people. People of God. And so what we tend to do is we kind of throw off all the people and forget that there's good people out there. Forget that there's people that are actually responding to what God's saying, just like we're trying to do. And God wants to use them. But when we get jaded with people, when we get bitter, it plugs up our dream line. Because all, all we can ever do anymore is think about how hurt we are or how frustrated we are with God because some people of God misrepresented him. So don't get jaded. Don't get bitter. It plugs up your dream line. Listen, and never, ever burn a bridge. Never, ever burn a bridge. I don't care how bad they treated you, how wrong they were. Never burn a bridge. Never, ever. I made that decision a long time ago that I would never, ever, ever, ever write someone off. In fact, I'm going to do everything that I can to be a bridge builder, that I'm going to be a guy that, man, if they want to come and they want to burn the bridge, I'm going to be right there trying to throw water on the bridge to keep it there. And it's not just for my own destiny because I also believe that God has put something in my life to help them. Come on, are you with me? It's not all about you. And number three, let's go over these again. The dream is a journey. People are part of the process. And number three, building our faith is yielding our trust. Let me say that again. Building our faith is yielding our trust. You say, is that just a play on words? No, let me, let me explain something to you. I had this prayer, this crazy prayer that I prayed. It wasn't even crazy. It was a prayer that, Jesus, that a guy uh, prayed in the Bible to Jesus. He said, Lord, I believe it. Help my unbelief. So I felt just like that guy. I said, Lord, I, I, I believe. I know, I know that you're a good provider. I've seen all this. I, I, I believe this is what you're calling me to do. But, but help me. Would you help my unbelief? And you know that God didn't get mad at me. He called me an unbelieving whatever, you know, heathen, pagan. God didn't call me names. He didn't get mad at me. 
He said, all right, son, let me help you. And he answered, right before we loaded up the U-Haul truck to move here, I was mowing the grass for the last time. I love mowing the grass. It's just for some reason God always speaks to me when I'm mowing the grass. And so, I was so my heart was so stirred and I was so moved by the events that had happened over the last, the, the, those couple of months there. And I was, I was just mowing and I was just like, Lord, I'm so sorry for doubting you. I'm so sorry for, for having unbelief. I mean, you've always provided for us. You've always taken good, good care of us. And at, at that moment, God spoke to me so, so tenderly. He said, son, you were trusting me, not your own faith. And so at that moment, I, I recognized that so many times that when we talk about this aspect called faith, we talk about how much faith that we have in ourselves. Can I do it? Can I do this? But this life of faith isn't about the faith that I have in myself. It's about the trust that I can put in Jesus. So building our faith is yielding our trust. It's saying, God, I can't do it. I can't pay the bills. I can't provide for my family. And he's like, that's right, Josh, you can't. And you never really have. I've been the one that's doing it all along. So just yield your trust. Just yield your trust. Now listen, we, we've got to be people that are building our faith. Scripture uh, tells us to do that. In Jude, it speaks of building our faith. And in 2 Peter chapter 1, it says to make every effort to, to add to our faith. But let me tell you this tonight. Yielding is better than building. So don't be so caught up in being so strong and being so solid just learn to depend on God a little bit more. Learn to trust him. Step out in your dream. Step out on what you feel like God's calling you to do. Step out a little bit and watch God be faithful. Because you're not trusting yourself. You're not tr- you, listen, you're not that strong. You're not that smart. You're not that innovative. You're not that clever. You're not that good looking. You're not. You're not that clever. You ain't got it all figured out. God does. So yielding is better than building. Faith is not about confidence in ourself. It's about confidence in our God. Some people have called that Godfidence. Listen, you can muscle your dream. You can muscle your dream. But only God can build his. Only God can build his dream. So when you dream, don't do something you can do. Don't dream about something you can do. Dream about something only God could do. So we had this dream. We said, God, just a church, just a place that people come and encounter you in a real way. Not, not come and just get educated. That's important. Not come and just sing a couple of good songs and have a good, few good, good goosebumps and have really good ministries and, and have all these things. Those things are great. We want to do all that. But we said, God, we want to provide an atmosphere where people can come and encounter Jesus in a real way, in a way that really affects their lives, in a way that really transforms into raising their kids, that really transforms into enhancing their workplace. We've talked about this a lot at Overflow. We talk about that, man, people coming up to you at work, and they're asking you questions, and people are coming to you for hope. It's because they know that you got hope inside of you. So don't hold it to yourself. Give it away. Give it away. Give it away now, right? That was terrible. But you can muscle your dream, but only God can build his. So dream bigger. Dream bigger. 
You know, maybe our dream, I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe it is dwarf, I don't know. But I just, I see a people, I see a people that are so full of God's presence, that are so full of God's spirit, that it's just natural. That it's just natural. It's just easy for them to love God. It's just easy for them to raise their kids right. It's just easy for them to influence the workplace. It's just easy for them to make lots of money. It's not all about money. We're not all about money at all. But God uses money. Come on. So tonight, what I want to do is we're finishing up. I want to pray over you. All right? Come on, somebody. How many of y'all are getting prayed over? That's where you're supposed to respond. Some of you in this room tonight, you need to learn to dream again. Maybe it's bitterness. Maybe you've, you've got your eyes on how, how much you've been hurt and how bad the hand of life has dealt you. But I believe tonight that God wants to awaken a new dream in you. That tonight that God wants to stir something. Some of you, it might be an old dream that's died and God wants to revive it. Some of you, it's going to be a brand new dream. But one of the things that we want to produce here at Overflow is dreamers. And maybe you're just here for tonight. That's awesome. We're so honored that you're here. But we believe that tonight that God wants to deposit in you a dream that's bigger than anything that you could ever do. You say, well, how do I know if it's a dream that God gave you? You know that it's a dream that God gave you if it's centered around King Jesus and his kingdom. Because the devil ain't going to give you no dream like that. That'd be stupid. Come on. So God tonight wants to give you dreams. Let's just stand in this place. Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name that you would awaken dreamers in this room. God, we don't don't want just a dream. God, we don't want to just have a dream. God, we want to be dreamers. We want to be those that are, that are living your dream, that are functioning in your dream, that are dreaming again. Some of you say, oh, it's too late. It's, oh, I don't know. I've got kids, and I've got worries, and I've got concerns. And I, yeah, I said the same thing two years ago. I've got all this going on. But God's saying, hey, will you answer? Will you say yes to my dream? Father, right now, I pray for every heart and life. I pray, God, that you'd bring refreshing. With refreshing comes the vision. With refreshing comes the dream. God, would you wash over this house right now? God, would you begin to make all things new? That we'd be able to function in love for Jesus.